0: The Born to be Mild Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Born to be Mild. So, did anything happen since the last time we talked? Oh, that's right. We were able to stave off the end of the free world, only by the smallest of margins, but I will take that W. Now, the sunny optimist in me says that it's better than the alternative, and I guess that we could do worse than kicking the can of real progress down the road, another election cycle. Um, you guys all know that I wanted to walk away from November 3rd with a much stronger mandate towards repudiating the horrific Trumpism that we were experiencing, but apparently either the country lacks a taste for widespread progressive change, or... Like we will get into today with my guest, a longtime corporate executive and all around good guy who just so happens to be my stepfather, Kevin Boyanowski. The Democratic option put forth just wasn't strong enough to rally the equivalent support in any meaningful way, aside from just getting rid of, you know, getting enough votes to beat the tyrannical monster. So the Dems have some work to do in the messaging department, and that is to put it mildly. And as predicted, ever since Election Day, a, an historic level of ratfuckery has been attempted. That is a real political term. Look it up. Check it out. We knew Trump was going to try to demonize the simple process of counting cast ballots as some sort of democratic voodoo, and he has. We knew the margins in places like Pennsylvania were going to be razor thin, likely decide the election, and they did. The blue, the you know, the blue shift though in Texas and Florida. They were far from close to becoming a reality, let alone a certainty. But the flipping of places like Arizona and Georgia told a bit of a different tale. Um, The polling. The polling let us down way worse than 2016. Uh, We have plenty of reckoning to do in that area. And many others. Uh, But Old Joe has said from the day that the AP called the race for him like a week ago, that he wants to be a president for all the people and now is the time to heal. So we will see if that's what we're gonna actually attempt to do because I wonder how many people on the right are even gonna hear his message. Will Fox News even broadcast his speeches? Even though they are currently in a falling out with Donald Trump because they decided to report and stand behind some supremely unfortunate news for him during the election, I feel they're going to find it a bit hard to resist his siren song once he leaves the White House and sets up his shadow government down in Mar-a-Lago. He's going to start drowning out any messages coming from the actual White House and people with actual power, just by the virtue of dearth and volume of content alone. Um, That is, of course, if he doesn't save all of his precious content for his own channel's airwaves. So much remains to be seen. But rest assured... It is looking as though we are going to have, what do you call it, the peaceful transition of power that we have always talked about being a hallmark of our democracy. It also looks like Donald Trump will leave office at the prescribed time, if not sooner. He might be one tantrum away from storming out and just leaving the key in the door. We have an opportunity right now where we get to live in a world where this dude is no longer occupying space between our ears rent-free. Uh, maybe it's time that we get on to the business of substantial coalition and policy making. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but at least we can take a look at it. Uh, we're all going to have a front row seat, see how this thing plays out. We might have a lot of extra time to do so if we have a whole nother round of lockdowns from this COVID shit. Uh, so, uh, in that regard, I would say, say, stay safe. Smart, stay diligent out there. Uh, again, my guest today is hands down one of the smartest people I have ever had the pleasure of meeting, and I am very fortunate in the fact that he also decided to marry my mother my mother, so many moons ago. Uh, it is my stepdad, Kevin Boyanowski. We literally had one of the best talks we have ever had, and we covered a ton of ground, and we got it on the mics for you guys to enjoy. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Mr. Kevin Boyanowski. All right, joining me today on the podcast, I am very happy to have my stepdad, Kevin Boyanowski. Pleasure to have you, sir. Great to be here. Thanks for finally inviting me. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I was going to catch that dig early, hopefully not often. Um, You know, honestly, I was thinking to myself right before uh, I started the, the recording here. I was like, all right, so there were so many individual events that I would have loved to have had your take on. But now that we have a time to digest everything that has transpired, this might be the best time of all to have you on. Sure. You wanted to get the mellow side of me. Well, you know what? Like, there's really no fires to put out right now. So, that is kind of a good thing. And we can look at everything in retrospect uh, that is of worth currently. So, that, yeah, that's not a bad time to get you. (laughs) Sounds good to me. Um, All right. So, we're going to start off with just, I want to find out what it's been like for you since you've come back from Florida, where you've been the entire hibernation period and you're back at your main residence in Charlotte, what is the difference in your day-to-day and what is the difference in the environment that you're seeing between Fort Myers, Florida and, and Charlotte, North Carolina? Uh, as far as uh, you know, the things that we do on a daily basis,
1: we came back to a number of house projects, which is awesome and certainly fills up the days uh, from a you know, interaction with the with the public or with friends or things like that—it's probably no not that much different from here here than it was in Fort Myers. Uh, we have a very very small circle of folks that we interact with, for a number of reasons. One, common sense, because no matter what, nobody wants to get COVID. But most importantly, uh, with your mom and her uh, autoimmune deficiencies, uh, she is in the high risk category, so we're trying to be extremely careful. Right. So you right. know. My our days are filled up with those uh, household projects, which I'm learning to do a number of uh, things that I never thought I was capable of doing. um, You know, mechanically construction oriented. Uh, In fact, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor last week with a Dremel uh, (laughs) rotary tool cutting grout. Which oh, uh, nice picture that if you would, uh, which was uh, certainly a good learning experience, and I. Fortunately, was uh, did not mess anything up yet.
0: <laughs> well, coming from experience, you can actually just rip that grout out with a, like a hooked knife, a lot easier and a lot quicker. But I understand you're you, you wanted to be very careful because you know you're just getting into that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: I can't be. <laughs> I, I can't turn a simple grout fixture into a retiling of the floor.
0: Right, right, or worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, but that's fine. But So I guess what I meant was that, yeah, so each one of those locations, you're not more encumbered in one place than the other for doing your daily activities, and you don't feel any more risk in one place than the other.
1: Um, no, I would say, you know, and, and I'd, I'd tell this to anybody who is going to move their bubble, and you know, the, the main reason we stayed in Florida was we felt very comfortable. We started in there. In fact, we went down there last December. Um,
0: you, and- you had a pretty ideal scenario down there for uh, the people that don't know. Uh, that aren't familiar with my family generally that are listening to this podcast um, we have quite a few people who live in the surrounding neighborhood uh, that basically surrounds one courtyard in a development down there and so you had plenty of people that you knew their interactions and everybody was on the ledger and you felt really safe being around them and you were able to socially distance and everyone was able to help each other so it was it was fairly communal down there for a while
1: It was the whole time. And I think everybody, you know, there was kind of the unspoken pact of everybody would be generally careful. Um, It was a a largely high risk population due to age. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Exactly. You know,
1: I think there's something to be said about going into this, going into the lockdowns and then, uh, you know, quarantining for that lack of a better word um, with folks. Once you've kind of gone through it, you kind of create that camaraderie. Um, and then you kind of build upon that. And, you know, as, as people would come in and out of that, we were all very careful and, you know, just had that kind of un, unspoken pact that you, uh, that you find when you're, you know, when you're just around a lot of people, particularly in this environment. Now, coming back here to Charlotte, which we did in uh, early October, uh, we didn't know what we were going to face. And, and, you know, that's certainly stressful in moving that so-called bubble, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you yeah Uh, but because uh, you were
0: on the same page with everybody down there it's like everybody kind of agreed to the parameters of what constituted being careful
1: correct yep and up here we didn't know what we were facing we knew we had you know our one close neighbors and and certainly kelly being up here a daughter uh you know we knew we had some but most more importantly we needed to come here for doctor's visits and you know just frankly get a little bit of a change of scenery florida florida was great um, but it was you know, after seven months, I think, was what we were about seven months in the lockdown. Yeah, uh, a change, a change of environment wasn't uh, wasn't necessarily a bad thing, even though it was fraught with a little more peril than than certainly staying where we were.
0: <laughs> right, right. I, it is kind of that uh, perilous journey. But um, you guys had a good thing going down there, but it was still just like a partial existence because it wasn't your main residence, so you needed to get back up to Charlotte. And- yep see what was what and I'm glad everything's been fine since you've been up there yep. uh, like you know like we've been talking about uh, we're fingers crossed that we're going to be able to come and visit you for Thanksgiving um, it, it's like I think we're going to we're going to get those COVID tests we're going to make sure everything's fine but um, it's 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 so like, like we were talking about earlier on the phone we're so close to that finish line we don't know if it's worth it is it is it and and I have a better sense about coming to visit you guys than I would going to uh, my dad's house, for instance, or Brittany's parents' house for Christmas, because there's going to be more people who have broader circles that are going to be in, we would be interacting with theoretically there. So um, you know, there there is that. Um, Absolutely, I mean, you know, everybody has to kind of
1: weigh those, and and you know, it's not necessarily even how well you know people; it's how well do you know what they've done, and how well do you know what they've done with those other people, and how well do you know those people? You know, it's just this whole layer, these these circles of, <laughs> of interaction that that yeah. are uh,
0: stressful. It is. And what is better represented than when they had the outbreak at the White House? I think it was the Amy Coney Barrett episode when they were like, yeah, we just totally gave up on contact tracing because did you see how many people there were? It was just like, I think, a hundred or so. And that just goes to show you that you have to have this thing basically buried into the ground before you can start doing contact tracing efficiently and make it worthwhile. Yeah,
1: particularly if you have people that are somewhat resistant, whether that be truly resistant or just kind of unconsciously resistant
0: to contact tracing, or you know, frankly, you know,
1: maybe have a little bit too machismo. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that going around, so that's kind of why we're in the predicament we're in. <laughs> no question. No question. You just yeah. have to
1: choose whether you want to participate in it or not.
0: Or it is. And not. It's, it is really unfortunate, though, because um like like we were saying you know their odds are the are in our favor that we would be able to make a successful visit down there but like in the off chance that it doesn't go right it's like is that worth it now I think in our circumstances we're gonna be getting our test right before we go down there and we'll be able to probably knock out most of the probability that we'd be bringing anything with us um with you know a negative test but at the same time um I don't know it's like it's it's very scary yeah it is i think people need to make those
1: you know they need to make those choices and it really does come down to unfortunately uh, if you go into this with the right psychological set which is is that particular event or is that particular interaction so desperately needed that you can't put it off to a time that if we all would make those choices would be sooner rather than later now we might have said those exact same things back on March 13th when this started. Oh, you know what? This is going to be two months, three months, whatever. Anybody can get through that. But you know what? We've, you've created a rhythm and a environment that why would you unnecessarily jeopardize that when we are hopefully closer to the finish line than we, than we were back in March?
0: Yeah, I think it was this one. I don't know if you listen to the Daily on the New York Times, but the, the one contributor who has been great in the scientific realm of covid has talked about something that's called like the hammer and the dance where um, you basically when you have the outbreak you bring down the hammer and then you have to dance around when you start reopening things and that's where you have to make those decisions on economic basis and all that stuff and we've been doing that ever since but um, people have worn very tired of the restrictions, and so this third wave is probably going to be the one where we see uh, the most pushback. Like I was just talking about before we started recording, we had this guy who is uh, Dr. Atlas, who's basically taken over favor uh, you know, in terms of the president's eyes in, with his coronavirus expertise. Uh, Dr. Atlas, he said... resist Michigan or rise up Michigan to out to his Twitter people after they had like put down some new restrictions and Mm -hmm. what could be more dangerous than that yeah probably nothing but you know people there's you know
1: there's two sides the two sides of this uh well there's many sides right but there's two very um prevalent sides I guess right there's the side of uh, following the science, trusting the medical medical community, you know, and kind of getting into this rhythm as much as it sucks. And it does. Um, and, you know, trying to ride this out until we, and fortunately we had some pretty good vaccine news last week, and certainly is expected we'll have more as we, you know, as the month of November goes on and into December, you know, there's that group. And yeah, it is, it is tiring, but it's amazing that if you just kind of take it day by day and you remind yourself to do the try to do the right thing for your health and the the safety and health of others you know that's one there's the other side of this you know that are folks who you could say they aren't haven't been believers since the beginning or somewhat doubters or you know not worried about the seriousness of it i find it hard to believe that they have really been uh that they're really tired of the restrictions right because they haven't they haven't they haven't faced the same restrictions. They haven't played along. Either. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that that idea, you know, if, if anybody's going to be tired, it's going to be the people who've been following it along the whole time. And that's the group that you want to that, you know, I would be concerned about saying kind of giving up their hands or frankly reacting to positive vaccine news like they've already been vaccinated when it's uh-huh. still somewhere in the future.
0: <laughs> right, right. And you had a lot of the officials saying that, listen, there's not going to be widespread dissemination of the vaccine for a, at least six months. So let's not get complacent right now.
1: Yeah, you know it's 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 always interesting when you hear folks and you mentioned Atlas, and there, you know there's a number of folks that you could put in that in that category. Maybe not that as extreme, but certainly doubters or naysayers or you know people who haven't played along uh, this whole time, and you know they you almost they almost feel like the the medical community and the reactions that they're going to have to it are going to go a little bit too far to the to the other side and. Frankly, by this point, if you aren't well schooled in things like antigen tests and what the vaccine efficacy is, you know, just those terms that, you know, a year ago, none of us would have thought anybody but a doctor should know. If -hmm. you haven't picked those up and if people aren't using those, you know, that's the people you got to worry about. I'm not saying everybody needs to become a virologist, you know, uh, but they certainly should be a lot more educated than they are today. And unfortunately, we've missed
0: that opportunity or people, we haven't missed the opportunity. They just haven't taken it. And that's Well, the I think problem. we've de- <laughs> we've missed a uh, national comprehensive approach opportunity for obvious reasons, but um, right, uh, you know that's the, that's a problem that Joe Biden's going to find as soon as he steps into office because he's going to be catching it at its worst. It'll be at its what will probably be the tail end of this third wave. Yeah. So uh, he will be reaping the benefits of all of Trump's complacency in these intervening months. Hmm. And that's what I really fear. So we see um, a lot of spikes around the country. And, um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you guys are doing a little better than we are up here. Um, And we're going to see because uh, DeWine kind of gave us a little bit of a slap on the wrist last week. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Uh, Yeah, so he basically said, uh, you guys better shape up within a week or we're going to probably close down restaurants again. At least that's what I inferred from it. And a lot of people did. And uh, of course, nobody's going to change their ways in seven days. So that's probably what we're going to see. Does that sound right?
1: I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, you know, we've we've increased restrictions down here. Or frankly, I think we're like wave two and a half or. And Cooper, our governor down here, has kind of rolled back. Certainly how late bars can stay open in restaurants. You know what fundamentally is the problem in my mind is people don't understand the links between these two that it's not an either or. it's an and right that we can from it, from it, and it's devastating the economy and I am well I'm sure we'll get into this. I am certainly conservative I'm certainly um, from the viewpoint of you know I don't want to wreak economic hardship on anybody. but if people can't connect the dots that if you can drive this down, right to a manageable level and we're not going to eradicate it anytime soon but if you can drive it down to a manageable level businesses can go back up to where they've been and customers will come out you know we as as an example i would say we probably ate out prior to this 3 to 4 times a week you know whether that be breakfast lunch or dinner
0: mm-hmm. i have
1: not been out to a restaurant to eat since March 13th. And I would tell you <laughs> right. that probably over that time period, we may have ordered takeout or delivery maybe a dozen times. Wow. Okay. So, so our money has been taken off the table and we're not alone. Yep.
0: Right. So, yep. How and it's much not going to be period? coming back anytime soon, really.
1: No. No, but you're, you know, we're, we're just, we'll change our behaviors, you know, if we would change our behaviors and all kind of pull together on this. Um, and I understand the idea of civil liberties and individual liberties, and it's really nothing in my mind, it has nothing to do with that. It's all about being a good citizen, you mm-hmm. know, being a, being a decent human being
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who's looking out not only for yourself, but looking out for others and trying to get through this as fast as possible with as minimal amount of damage as possible. And the only way you can do that is to be smart, safe, cautious, and you know try to try to uh, all kind of pull together and um it just it just boggles my mind you know the, but don't the, you
0: think that like there is this um libertarian i don't know infectionism that takes over a lot of the right side of politics that emboldens people's um response to these types of collective actions it, it does you know and i
1: i think again we'll probably get into this as we go through this. This podcast, um, you know, I kind of view it. at there's there's ten percent on both sides of it, extremism, right? There is, and so you're
0: saying the loudest is is speaking correct. for. Uh, but see, I I tend to think that there is a far larger constituency that makes up the loud portion on the right than than there is on the left. In this in
1: this scenario, I would, as far as the pandemic is concerned, I would agree because it's kind of hard to scream. From the top of your lungs, follow science, follow science, follow science, because you really only got one message, right? The, <laughs> right. the message of common sense. The yeah. other side isn't—it's you know—it's—it's it's not nearly as sexy to talk about use your common sense and use your brain as compared to the other side about let's revolt against this, you know, or let's. But that's uh, what I resist. see.
0: I see that as a uh, just a smaller version of the Trump phenomena in general where uh it's a lot easier and a lot sexier to revolt and say let's be hedonistic let's do whatever we want let's roll back restrictions let's give the tax breaks let's do whatever we need to do let's live for today short-term gains and then you have the other people who are saying, no, we have to be prudent. And those people aren't conservatives anymore. And I guess this is we, this is a prologue of what we would be talking about later on. But you know what I mean? Like, like it's. I, I guess I just don't see how the right can make any of those claims anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, you want to dive into it? Well, all right. So... Well, I guess we're going to save the masters for the end of the show. <laughs> this is a, That would be a shitty segue at this juncture. At this it, it would be. Um, but let's stay in politics and let's just go with the election because right now we have uh, pretty concrete evidence that Biden is going to be the president-elect. And it's been a kind of crazy, rocky, dangerous road to get here. Um, but you had even Trump this weekend... Almost make that concession accidentally. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I did. It was <laughs> that was pretty funny, right? It was, and then had to had to backtrack quickly via via Twitter, which yeah. is uh, absolutely insane. Um, so, what do you think about the process that uh, has taken, has transpired since election night? Because um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, you know, uh, most most of the learned public would be. This was all foretold. All of these shenanigans were on the table, and he has taken a lot of them up. So, I mean, did you see this coming? And what do you think about uh, how he has been possibly enabled You know, in the intervening sure. time?
1: All right, so let me credentialize myself for your audience. Um, so I am a Republican. <laughs> yeah, right, um, right. But w- would you say like
0: cutting the Reagan
1: cloth? I am very much cutting the Reagan cloth. I I will, uh, although you haven't asked me, I I split my ticket. I voted for Biden for presidency, and I voted for a Republican in every other box I could find.
0: Okay, and what did you do in 2016?
1: I voted for Hillary Clinton, and I voted for Republicans in any other box I could find.
0: Now that is amazing. Um, I thought you might have uh, you know swallowed your soup in 2016 and yeah. just you know pulled the lever. What well, happened?
1: Uh, this, it, well, first off, my opinion of our, our president didn't change over time. It probably hardened.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You got plenty of evidence to the <laughs> affirmative. Yeah. correct. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, and, and again, it was a case where, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, uh, in, I have very conservative values, but I'm a firm believer in split government.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, and which would, which would be, oh, wait, no, I have, I have to walk back. I did vote for our, for our democratic governor. So, yeah, or Biden. uh, I voted for Cooper. No, Cooper. Or Cooper. Yeah, and then I voted Republican. I think everywhere else that I could. So, um, again, a split ticket. You know, I'd like to think that that was thoughtful voting because, uh, you know, somewhat understanding the policies, and I think Cooper has done an excellent job here in North Carolina, as good of a job as could be done, very similar to, you know, what Dewine has done in in a purple state. Exactly.
0: You guys are actually skewing a little bit more to the blue these days than Ohio. Mm -hmm which is sure. surprising. And mm-hmm. uh, Mecklenburg, might I say, took the cake by staying blue, whereas Mahoning, where I'm at, finally fell and became red for the yeah. first time in God knows how long. Exactly. It was a sad day. I, I got to say, like, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. I told Brittany, I'm like, no, that can't be right. And then I actually was looking at um, some uh, some totals that were coming in for the state, and it still had Biden in the lead before it got called. Um I was devastated when I saw that Mahoning, the stalwart of, of Democratic Union uh, togetherness, just said, "You know what? Uh, we like we like a shit talker," and they joined Trumbull County, who flipped in 2016.
1: Yeah, which was I was surprised to see that too. When you thought about it, it was very easy to see those. You know, Cle- Cleveland for sure. You know, has always been that has always been. Uh, falling towards the, the Democratic side, but I was Cuyahoga is
0: huge. yeah.
1: I was yeah. I was shocked when I saw that. In fact, I had to look twice. I thought maybe they got that wrong because I, I thought I was the only Republican in Mahoning County
0: when you lived here. Absolutely, that's right. the vibe, and it, right. it, it, it is. It's just it's just the the rusty tidal wave that Trump was able to get with you know. Uh, Non-college-educated white male voters, right? Who uh, actually? Well, he. I think he won white women as well. Once everything panned out in this election, mm-hmm. which is super scary and totally gross. But I mean, we can get into that as well. Well, how did how did the down ballot races go there? Uh, so it looked like. Uh, it w- what was really crazy was Tim Ryan, who gets a lot of crap around here, was able to hold on to his seat. And all kind of levies passed. It Mm -hmm. still looked Republican, or excuse me, it still looked Democratic down ballot uh, very strongly, which was very odd. So it's just that specific allure that Trump has, and I guess we can get into that as well, right? I mean, because it is something that um, could be fleeting if nobody's able to take up the mantle in that same manner. Or I guess if... uh, He he can just stay in it forever, right? Trump forever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think you know it's interesting. um, You know, I I don't I don't view Trump as the lead of the Republican Party, right? He certainly was the face for it. I believe that the values of the Republican Party, uh, I still believe in those, right? Conservativeness. um, Certainly, I'm 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 all for small smaller government. You know, I targeted and well thought out assistance programs. Um, I am for less taxes. I am for less regulation. You know, I'm those are the conservative or what I what historically would be viewed, I think, as Republican values. Uh, interestingly, I was uh, as I was thinking about this, your invite, you know, I, I kind of looked at the what did Gallup say is this split of the voting population by party affiliation. And I don't know if you know this, but it's 31 percent. This is all voting age registered voters in the U.S. It's 31 percent Republican, 31 percent Democrat and 36 percent independent. No. Yes. Of the 240 million registered voters that have a party affiliation. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was kind of shocked at that, too. I would have thought, you know, 40, 40, 15, you know, something like that. So I
0: see. I would think. Uh, yeah. So 40, 45. Yeah. Because it, it seems to me that there would just be normally more Democrats in the populace than Republicans. Just Republicans mm-hmm. always seem to have that better turnout percentage. Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I checked the source because I didn't believe it, and it, it was based on census information and Gallup okay. polls, which I believe yeah. are you know relatively uh, unbiased. They're in
0: the A plus area. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when he, you know, if you break
1: that down and again, you know, 240 million registered or of age people that could register to vote. We had 100. And what do we end up with? Probably about 150 million. Fifty seven or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Something in that range. So 62, fantastic. 60 it was years. a record turnout. Yeah, absolutely. And for all kinds of reasons. And I you know, I it from my perspective and you know, where I was where I was going with my comment about I think, you know, I I don't view Trump as the. As the face of the he's the face of the Republic Republican Party, I don't view him as the heart. You know, I think at the end of the day,
0: um, if you took those, do you breaks, think it's more Mitch McConnell's black heart? Who who is it? Is it uh, <laughs> you know? Is it uh, Paul uh, Paul Ryan's uh, tiny musculature heart? Uh, whose is it?
1: I well, I think there's I think there are Republicans who set the agenda right uh, again for the public. So you know, it's it be, uh
0: it's a Koch brother heart.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I'd, I'd hate to say any of those folks are in in the front, but, you know, let's we could talk about the other side, because I think what you've got on the on the Democrat side. Right. Is all right, you've got Biden, but the, a number of people that I voted for and we had some very interesting discussions at our uh, at our pool um, in Florida, you know, which you'd expect most of those people would have been Republicans. Right. Just by. uh, uh uh, white demographic, over 65 demographic, right. Uh, you know, the, the folks that were, weren't thinking about as much the, the head and the face, you know, they were thinking about the AOCs, the Chuck Schumer's, the Nancy Pelosi's, you know, just as much as there are big personalities that are viewed with cold hearts by the Democrat side of Republicans, there are the same people that are viewed by the Republicans of the Democrats. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess so, but um, I don't see the uh, Schumer and Pelosi playbook as being nearly as underhanded as the other sides, and especially not in recent years. So you want to bring that up? Like, it's like yes, they posture in the same manner, but it's not to the same ends.
1: Um, Well, I I think that's a matter of perspective. That everybody, you know, people have different views on that. I, I don't. I I believe we're dysfunctional um and i oh, God, there is, yes. <laughs> I whole heartily, there is a, yeah, yeah there's i think what you had in this election was not as not as many every the 71 million 72 million pick your number for that voted for trump didn't vote only for donald trump right they voted against just like you could say that the people that went on, on the other side that voted for biden voted against trump i think there are a number of those folks that also and I, in my opinion the vast majority of both sides were voting for the principles, not necessarily, or switched and voted for the principles. I I think that you definitely
0: have... um, uh, It's interesting because you have a bit more of the specter of a democratic ethos coming in on this election than you did a democratic candidate in the last one. Correct. Uh, Whereas you have people who are voting... You know, so like people are voting against what could be coming up as a blue wave of socialist democracy. And um, last time it was just Hillary Clinton, bad person. Um, I, I don't know. Like Trump seems like a known quantity. And um, he was definitely getting voted against either way. Correct. Uh, I, yeah. And I, people, people strongly vote for Trump uh in in larger numbers than they were voting for Biden, that's that should probably be pretty obvious right yeah and i think the opposite was also true that people
1: were there were a, a a meaningful majority of folks that voted against progressive socialism as compared to voting for uh you know a
0: uh, a president that's frankly an embarrassment to the office Right. Like when you break down the policies and you break down the issues and you ask them if the approach that the administration is taking is sound, they're usually like, no, but he did this other one thing that I really liked. So there's a lot of obfuscation. There's a lot of excuse making going on, frankly. Mm -hmm. And I will
1: tell you that, you know, what there there were a number of policies that I believe in foundationally. We're correct. I believe we do need to have. Isn't further... that amazing,
0: though? Like he yeah. he, because there are certain truths to what he has to say, but he has a ham-handed approach. I've said this all along, you know, like especially when it comes to China. But there are some other things. Um, it's it's just the mouth and it's the messenger, and it has so much to do with uh, how you present yourself when you talk about these issues. But which ones did you think were the most important that he was able to tackle?
1: Um, I think I, I do believe that we need a str- we need a more fair, strong policies against China, mm-hmm. um, but not nearly as far as he went. Uh, and you know, again, for background, I've spent a large portion of my career, my prior career, now that I'm retired,
0: working uh, in China with working China, in China
1: with in, in international trade. All right. and I it always. Again, it's the education I think of the general population. You know the things like, and this is where I don't agree uh, with some of the policy. You know, or the ideas that he's putting forward. You know, this whole idea of, uh, you know, all of our jobs should be here in the U.S. Well, well,
0: it's an absolutist ethos that has yeah. no room for nuance. This is him in a nutshell, and that Correct. is the type of thinking that we are trying to push back against. Or and, reality. I mean, or, yeah. yeah, or reality that, yes, yeah. things are more complex. Like when he said, I never – or who knew health care could be this hard when right. he was talking about repe- repealing and apl- replace Obamacare, I think, on his fourth or fifth try
1: mm-hmm. through,
0: through Congress. It's, like, ridiculous that this man wants to come in here with literally just bravado as his tool belt and make everything go away.
1: Correct. Just like, again, back to the idea of, you know, all the jobs – Coming back to the U.S. Well, and I'll use it an example, and I've used this throughout my career. You know, everybody says, "Well, why aren't we making that?" Let's just pick something. Why aren't we making that flannel shirt here in the U.S.? Well, mm-hmm. we could if you, as a consumer, are willing to pay. Want to pay twice as much?
0: I always order. say that about Correct. TVs. I say, as soon as you want to pay thousand dollars for your two hundred dollar TV. Uh, we are going to be able to make everything here because people demand a much higher wage here for making the same product it is exactly. very simple math exactly
1: and so the
0: what other- is that trade off like has so many machinations down the down the uh industrial line like uh, goodness there is an endless amount of topics we could go into like right. i would love to talk to you about automation my goodness right right, that right is- then- Yeah, even
1: as you think, I mean, you mentioned TVs or, you know, even this idea of, well, you know, we we really stuck it to China by putting tariffs on their goods. Yeah, well, y'all don't know how tariffs work. Tariffs are passed (laughs) along. Tariffs are paid for by the importer, not the exporter. And so any retailer here in the U.S. or any manufacturing company here in the U.S., uh, wines, going to Europe, whatever those things are, you know, that is all being paid for by the consumer. Or the company, right. or the company right, yes. has to cut their profit. And normally it's some combination, you know, it's, it's one of the two or
0: a mixture of both. Yeah, it's yes.
1: probably 75 25. 75% is paid forward, 25%. Actually, it's probably more like, around it's probably more like 60% is absorbed by the consumer, 20% is absorbed by the importer, and 20% is passed through the product, either by, you know, down counts or, um, uh, less. You know, instead of sixteen ounces, you get fourteen. You know, those types of things. So,
0: and is it like usually in a short term thinking aspect?
1: It, it is. It is because you you hope one that the deal's going to go through, or two right. that you're just trying to make it through until you can find some other place in the world to make it, which is not a bad thing either. Um, you know, if and, that's
0: why you've seen the spread of those types of. Yeah, that that industrialization go to anywhere you want to talk about on the map.
1: Which is is a good thing. Yeah, Yeah. which is a good thing. And it should be it should being done. That's how we became an economic powerhouse.
0: And Uh, that's also how China was able to leverage themselves over everybody in the known world. Correct. Because they were taking all notes, you know. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's Um, how we got to where we're at. Yeah,
1: there's lots of uh, lots of, um, you know, uh, uh, pieces to that puzzle, other than the headline of, well, we really stuck it to China. I mean, you have to, that was, that was one of my, my biggest issues, not the China side, but one of my biggest issues uh, was this idea of Trump as a businessman. I have never, and I've worked on, with a lot of business people, including some of the toughest that I, that you would ever come across, just, you know, um, cold, calculated, profit oriented businessmen. And I've never Ever come across anybody with the brashness, the self, the uh, you know, the self-absorption, <laughs> um, the inability to communicate and and you know, negotiate, and you know, all those types of things. Hey, I, I've never read the idea, the the book, The Art of the Deal. I would, I, I can't imagine that there was anything
0: in there that was worthwhile. Well, I mean, it should probably have a subtitle: uh, Man Child Makes His Way to the Top." Right. Unbeknownst to all conscious beings, you know, like or like something like that. Yeah. Let me go back
1: if I could to it. You know, I threw those stats out on the uh, on the political affiliations. And I I thought it was interesting, you know, the 31, 31, 36, which is 98 percent. So, you know, in my mind, if you took and you said that there's even generously that there's 20 percent that are far right and far left of each party. Right. What you're talking about is a combined total of 12 percent of the population. That is of of voters that have identified themselves by party, twelve percent that are headline grabbing everything that's going on out there. So conversely,
0: and you know I don't believe that though. I don't believe that. I believe especially now that you have uh, social media and this consolidation of ideas on the right that they are very myopic uh, in you know in comparison to the left. Don't you think that you could probably mobilize probably four to five times as many people on the right with one failed swoop or one specific message just because of their makeup and and the ideology that they have as a group? Um, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I well, because yeah. now now my question is, what do you believe the makeup of the Republican Party is? Is it the party of Trump or not? I certainly hope it is the not the party of Trump. Now, because right now, in the wake of these denials in terms of the the election results, you have so many people who are enabling him who will still be there when he leaves, and they still cannot um, basically cross him in any way because his his constituents are their constituents.
1: Well, so let that let me let me go back into that kind of that breakdown. Right, that doesn't mean that if you said the other four, you know whatever it would be. Uh, Twenty-eight percent of each one of those parties are not still, still figuring out a way to uh, identify and vote as a Republican or a Democrat. I just think that the values of those groups, the majorities of the groups, are closer than they are being as they are being portrayed. When you think of the far right and the far left, at the end of the day, I believe that there are more people that are alike in their views than they are polarized by either being a pro-Trump or an anti-Trump entity.
0: I, that's why so you I, believe that we, have, yeah. So I, think I have I, I more I think I'm commonalities than ex- yeah. you probably would think if you watch the news. I think which, I'm a prime example. I don't yeah. think I'm. I don't think
1: I'm that much of an
0: outlier in, in a
1: split ticket voting against um, what I perceive as a. Uh, a unfit president, not necessarily unfit policies across the board. There are some that I agree and some I don't agree, but mm-hmm. not somebody that should be occupying the office of the greatest nation on, on, on the face of the world, of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, and I believe that, I believe that Biden can bring some of that back with him. Now, if he puts a Elizabeth Warren as the treasury secretary, or he puts a Bernie Sanders in, which by the way, I don't think he'll do because he wouldn't want to give up that seat at, with a Republican but don't- governor.
0: Oh, I was going to say, don't you think they'd be able to get a democratic replacement for both of those?
1: Now, well, Sanders, they could. There's a Republican governor in Massachusetts, so he would name a Republican senator.
0: Oh, you're right. Yes, my bad.
1: Right. So they're um, not going to give up the seat. Which, thank goodness, because I think she has some of the
0: worst. She's got a plan for everything, and not many of them that you like. Not that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you know, I, I think no, that's, that's where fine. now.
1: Now, I believe, and this is where you know, I, I said earlier, I had a split, I a split ticket to me the absolute most important thing that's going on right now is not a, it's it's the it's the election in Georgia it's the runoffs in Georgia with Loeffler, and uh I can't remember Ossoff. his name yeah Asaf and uh David Perdue and I can't remember mm-hmm. the the uh, the guy who's the minister
0: the reverend right right uh, from uh MLK's church correct yeah which
1: you know traditionally has been a republican stronghold right from a senator standpoint so I think a, a fair amount of what is going on is that although the Republicans— They want to hold the tide uh, until— Absolutely. Of course, yeah. And absolutely. they want to
0: placate and they want to make sure that the base is involved for as long as possible. Correct. I, yes, I understand that. but So that's just all the gamesmanship that we've been seeing. And basically taking any advantage that is given to you that has brought um, policymaking to a standstill because it's just been rock bottomism. Correct. Um, and that is the Mitch McConnell era of the Senate. Like, that is the legacy that he will live with. It is obstructionism at all costs. And I don't know. Like, I'm really hoping that we're going to see Stacey Abrams isms come into effect, where you're able to actually have a Democratic turnout in Georgia that breaks all boundaries.
1: Well, so let's go back though. I mean, 20, 2016, right? It was it was a Republican wave. So the first two years, the Republicans were able to do really whatever they wanted to do, right? So they passed tax reform. You know, they passed some small immigration. I don't know why they never got around to health care, right? But they passed tax reform, which well, by the way I was. Because they a favor. didn't
0: have any good ideas in health care. Correct. It was absolutely shambolic what they were bringing to the table. Yep. And it was also fly by the seat of their pants, midnight basement secret sessions that they would just roll out to a couple of people. It was like it it felt like they should have had something more substantial the way they were treating it so secretively. Yeah, no question. But now let me <laughs> let me yeah. let me take you back to
1: 2012 and you could say the same thing, although by the way, I agree with the result of Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act. I think it was necessary. But if you were against that You could say the exact same thing happened under Obama's administration as far as forcing policy or regulation down the
0: Republicans' throat. You could say that. However, you could say that it was basically going to be something that nobody was going to understand. It was just more of an ethos that you had to subscribe to. And uh, whether or not you were on board was something that they were just trying to collect votes as they could because – They weren't going to sit there on their side telling you that they understood it wholeheartedly either because it was too complex Uh, and because they were having to make too many compromises, in my opinion.
1: okay. so then let's – because it's interesting you use the word obstructionism, right? Obstructionism is a word typically used in the eye of the beholder. So was that not obstructionism for uh, – on the democratic side, right, when you're back in the Bush scenario, when you're back in the Reagan scenario? Right. When there were split when there were split governments that were involved, that forced compromise. So, yeah, Mitch McConnell is the face of and I don't agree. I don't agree with everything that McConnell says, but I do believe he upholds the the core, some of the core values of the Republican Party. Smaller government, less spending, debt, right. Paying down and making sure they're responsible debt.
0: Where does the tax plan come into that fact, you know, with regard to that? Like, they're going to all find religion once again now that Joe Biden's back in office. Like, but they've been just fine with raising all of those ceilings through the roof because they wanted to give money to certain individuals and in certain aspects of society that they hold very dear. And
1: yeah. they had
0: no way to pay for it. And now they're going to be the fiscal conservatives that they all grew up pretending to be. So what are you are talking
1: about from the Tax Reform Act or from yeah, the assistance? Yeah,
0: from the Tax Reform Act. Okay, so
1: and I think you and I and and your cousin exchanged emails on this, right? So corporate taxes, if you think about from the viewpoint, if you're talking about a creation of a wealth gap or you're talking about which which piece of this is flies in the face of fiscal conservatism, the fact that the debt went up because it went up marginally, no doubt. For the first two years, you know, let's take the pandemic side of this away. Right. Corporate profits certainly were increased, if you're thinking about the Tax Reform Act. Middle-class Americans,
0: in general, got more money in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm talking about how one side of the ledger expires and one side does not. Uh, you mean,
1: well, yeah, because, yeah, and that is, no doubt there's more gamesmanship and brinksmanship going on now, and some of that is certainly driven by the attitude of the, uh, the person that's holding the Oval Office, you know, our president in creating that brinksmanship. But, you know, I I wouldn't say that Pelosi and Schumer have been, you know, the easiest people to work on. Fortunately, Mnuchin, you know, seems to be a reasonable guy, being able to bring some of these things forward and certainly understands the business world better than a, a number of other folks that have occupied the secretary. You know what, at the end of the day, thank goodness we have Powell from the Fed
0: yeah I guess he has been pretty sober the entire time. yep um because he has um resisted Trump on a number of occasions. Um, but then also, you know, gave him it, it it had nothing to do with politics, it seems. so that's really nice. Yeah, and I, you know, if the if and the average the average
1: American isn't taking the time or has the inclination to understand the benefits of the Fed policy that it's has brought forward, but you know, without that, and with the deadlocks we've seen because of again brinksmanship on both sides, um, because frankly, you know, and and I get let's talk about the assistance package, right, which is desperately needed now for folks. Uh, and I would hate to, I hate to spend the money either, but you know, at some point you had democratic senators in the house basically saying, look, let's take, take the 500 million. We'll figure something out after the election. If it goes our way, we'll be able to pass a bigger one, but people need money now. And what did Schumer and Pelosi do?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go for it on, on what, on what grounds on the grounds that they were giving up leverage. Okay. No doubt they were giving up some leverage, but where did that get them? It got us nowhere.
0: It got us nowhere, but um, I think much like 2008, aren't we still going to be unpacking what we just rolled out uh, six months ago for the next like 10 years in terms of all the stories that you've heard of who got money where? Yep. So it was basically a cash grab that was not very well implemented but it was the broad brush approach that apparently is our only answer to these type of situations.
1: Um, there, there are no doubt there are bad actors in that scenario. But I think you probably would have had that no matter how long you took or how how much care you put. Fundamentally, the problem was that nobody ever envisioned. And I'll use the unemployment benefits in Florida because we were sitting there during the time period. Right in Florida, the unemployment rate went up. Uh, I don't know, went up to like 20 percent, right? Because you had all the hospitality workers and you know cruise lines and a lot of folks down there. It went up unbelievably that so much so, I if it wasn't a million people filing for unemployment, I don't know what the number was, but let's say that it was a million.
0: And um, it was but it overnight.
1: Was overnight. Sure. Yeah. Nobody in their right mind would have ever built, Republican, Democrat, independent, nobody in their right mind would have ever built an unemployment application or system that would allow for a million people to go in and simultaneously ask for unemployment benefits. You just wouldn't scale it that way. You never could have envisioned that. So, yeah, there were problems then, right? People didn't get their money on time, you know, and that was, to me, a microcosm of what went on across the board. Nobody in at the banks who were, who were dealing with all the PPP loans, nobody at Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Pick Your Bank would have ever thought that they would have I think it was something a thousand like 1000
0: applications yeah, on their desk a day or whatever. I think it was
1: 14 million applications in the period of like 3 weeks. <laughs> so there things are going to be and you know somebody could fact check me whatever it was it was a factor of 100 200 of what they were used to dealing with. So nobody's ever going to build a system or put sure, an infrastructure Sure and in it place was
0: really it. funny that they were showing all these rickety ass systems in the public sphere that were trying right. to you know take on the tsunami of downloads logins you name it yep. and everything was failing left and right
1: yeah you take that back to the election nobody who put together the election laws and pennsylvania being a great example you know when pennsylvania agreed that you know to do mail-in balloting mail-in ballots whenever that was i think it was probably back in may or june um and then they extended it obviously to three days after nobody in pennsylvania would have ever thought they were going to get what they get like seven million mail-in mm-hmm. ballots yeah So who would have ever thought about putting that infrastructure in place to make sure you had the observers, to make sure that you, by the way, when you put a law in that said you can't start counting those until the night of the election, who would have ever thought you'd have that many to count? Right. So therefore, you know, you get these people that are out there and I, I, you know, I see it on social media. You get these hardcore right winger conspiracy theorists who say, well, I went to bed and Trump was up by 600,000. When I woke up, he was up by 100,000. What happened? Um, People count it. If you paid attention to the news and you
0: realized- But how do you feel, do you feel about taking away a little bit of that fret, uh, federalism? Um, how do you feel about yeah, having a national standard for how we do elections?
1: I think there should be a national standard for how we do elections, but I think I would model it more on the Pennsylvania scenario than I would model it on, or uh, or I'd model it on the North Carolina- No, not the North Carolina, the uh, Florida standard, where you can either start counting- you count, or right. count or sort, right? Counter sort ahead of time, and try and get it out there as fast as possible. And by the way, you know, the United States Postal Service was not built to handle this either. So well,
0: now I now I tend to disagree with that because you know, just because we have volume at certain times of the year that matches what we were dealing with for this election, so well, volume stands... Yeah, there no shouldn't way. have been any problem. And then the only mm-hmm. problem we had was the machination that I saw from the administration in terms of now we're going to downgrade some from first class to general mail, or we threaten to do so unless you paid, which you never had to pay for in the past, or certain you know things like that. Like there Deep. were roadblocks that were that yes, yeah, some of them like were overblown and they were planned on being done. But you could actually put a stop to it because it was going to, you know, impact the election and they decided not to do so. Yeah, which is
1: totally wrong. I mean, we should be doing everything we can to get everybody who wants to cast a ballot um, to be able to do one. Right. Whether I don't care whether it's IDs, whatever. I mean, is that is that dangerous for a Republican? Sure it is. But then we need to change our policy to be more mainstream and attract those voters. But again, you know, if I look at thirty-one percent, thirty-one percent, if Gallup is correct, you know, it's a pretty even split. But back to the mail side of this for the USPS, um, yeah, we have a system in place. If you think about, you know, uh, Christmas cards, right? The only one that's even close to this from a from a standpoint would be um, April fifteenth tax,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: tax returns. That's one per family at best, right? So you're cutting that by half, in half, right? But you're also delivering, you know, and you're delivering those to one of, I think there's 13 or 14 different sorting sessions, you know, uh, uh, tax, For tax spots, yeah. right. But at an individual state level, you know, whereas the volume might be correct, the delivery of that to the, a limited number of locales has not ever been tested. Right, because- And there
0: also yeah. isn't this deadline in terms of sorting.
1: Correct that you know, you're
0: up against on the back end correct. where you need the answer right now. Like and there's plenty of time for things to be sorted in the tax system.
1: Exactly. So that's where I'm saying that we don't have, although we may have had volume equal to that, we haven't had volume like, total throughput, right? Trying to get it But don't to,
0: you think that it's been amazing how well it's it's yes. happened? Like we had the... the uh, We had the statement last week come out that said that this was the most secure election in the nation's history.
1: Yep. Yeah. And thank goodness we had somebody like, you know, the NSA. uh, What did they do? That I think on Election Day, they went out and basically, um, you know, stopped uh, Iran. um, they, They did something to their computer systems to stop them from being able to interfere, basically put us in a cocoon. Just jammed it up. Exactly.
0: That's, that was the word I was trying to find. Right. Just kind of jammed it up. So, you know. Yeah. It, we had a force field around the country for one day only. Exactly. <laughs> or whatever. Exactly. Whatever means they had available to them, that makes perfect sense. Why not? You know, and
1: thank goodness that we had the hundreds of thousands of poll workers Who went out and whether they were at the polls or whether they were actually, you know, ballot sorters or whatever that stepped forward to be able to handle this, because we could still if the infrastructure stayed like it was in 2016 or 2018 general elections, we'd still be counting ballots.
0: Yes, but if it also went like it went in 2000, we would have uh, far fewer paper ballots because we started to distrust them. Exactly. But then we finally understood the integrity of the old school analog method and yep. we're there, but, you know, just with a little better methods.
1: Yeah, this whole idea of a voting conspiracy and all that is absolutely ludicrous. And it's embarrassment to me as a citizen that so many people are even espousing that, let alone believe it.
0: All right. So <laughs> I'm sure you are abreast of what this man talks about and what this man believes in. What is the most egregious? Like, I mean, he just basically went and said that he is probably saving the country from a democratic cabal of um, child rapists. And, you know, this is, he, he is the head of Q. And when people ask him things to that nature, he just basically says, uh, well, I, they really like me. And uh, who knows? Yeah, I'm probably doing that for them. Yeah, so there, there are there are millions and millions of people right now who, you know, by the second, who are jumping on board with anything they can out of desperation. So, like, what, what's worse? Oh, no, no
1: question. That's worse than than the alternative, which is you know what we have. And to me, it's it's the most logical and frankly most anticipated outcome. You know, the the idea that he could that he could look in the mirror. And say I should I should have won is to me proves just how out of touch he is with the reality of the situation. Now, again, I, I agree with a number of the policies that are out there. I don't agree with the self-centered, um, you know, uh, quasi fascist mentality. And I don't believe that most of the followers that are on that really truly understand all the implications of their following and what that means, right? That
0: they are able to connect. But see, that's where I just beg to differ, right? Because they was on full display so many times and they still voted for this guy. So is it really just the impending doom of more taxes and possible uh, continuation of of a woman's right to choose that has basically tipped the scales for this guy in the same – almost the same percentages that he had in the last election where he won.
1: Well, I think I think we'll see it, and, and I'm a data guy, as you know. I think we'll see it as the data comes out, and I, this will be one of the most studied elections ever
0: just because of all the nuances and intricacies. Um, I, I It's looking like uh, a 7 million-plus ballot yep. difference. Yep. And you're looking at um, maybe if you take out, uh, what would you say, Michigan – you're probably looking at under a hundred thousand votes deciding the election, right? Something like that. Yep. So I, I, it's basically the same as the last one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, with just uh, just on a little bit of steroids because of the turnout.
0: Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so the I don't electoral- know what is to be gained because you saw everything that he had was on full display. Mm-hmm. He was taking peaceful protesters out in Lafayette Square. Now, maybe you could say it all has to do with information silos, but that isn't going to get any better. But the point remains is that there are provable, authoritarian, you know, incidences that he has had time and time again that people have been privy to and they still are able to vote for him in good conscience.
1: Yeah, I think, Ron, though you got to take, and I'd I'd like to think, I'd like to think, given if the information flow was... um, Unabridged, right? That you'd have all sides of this, and I would challenge the idea. And by the way, Lafayette Square was a total embarrassment to democracy and to our uh, our standing. It's the abridged. sickest thing
0: I've seen Correct. as an American on my time on Earth.
1: Yeah, I, I would <laughs> I would tell you though there are a number of things on the other side. Look at Portland. Look at the riots in New York. Look at the riots in Chicago. Right there is a, there is an appeal to the to a conservative group. That does not like to see that. And I get that that was a small number of people that weren't
0: necessarily protesting for the right reasons. They were taking advantage of the situation and rioting. Yeah. What if I told you that if some of those people that went and smashed up all those places when they had to bring the bridges up in Chicago, uh-huh. probably even voted for Trump. Could have. We don't know
1: because we didn't get Just a chance. It's
0: like it's it's all about misogyny. You know, for a lot of Trump voters. And guess what? If you're out there being violent enough to go and smash other people's properties, you might be part of that demo. Could be. Do you you really think that's the case? I'm just saying that an opportunist doesn't give a shit. Like when they hear the call is out to go get some stuff, it doesn't play politics. But when they want to go in the booth, um, I don't know. It it all depends on how much uh, the movement has touched them individually. In terms of their animosity towards the administration
1: could be what but what what would you what would your gut tell you would your gut tell you that it's there's that that was i i'm just
0: saying animal. it's literally possible which is the the unfathomable part it, it absolutely
1: is but what would your gut tell you as far as if you're a if you're a suburban oh it's ninety ten. yeah oh yeah so that didn't help so you know if you want to so about creating the environment
0: so where was the there were there were so many flashpoints, and that was it. He was given lifeline after lifeline, and almost up until election day, when you had actual shit going on in the bellwether of Philadelphia, yep. I thought like he couldn't have been handed any more, you know, uh, opportunity on a platter. This was just it was boggling my mind. Like it, it seemed like it could have been strategic, the fact that it was going on there at that time.
1: Yeah, no question, and that's the you know that's where I think you have. Back to the idea of having, you know, a, elements of both sides um, driving this division and these ideas of these firm and fast type views. You know, you have the same, you You could reasonably or unreasonably, but, you know, you have to be able to, if you kind of think through this, putting yourself on the other person's shoes, at least that's what I'm trying to do here, is if you are somebody that has a small business or you are a suburban person and you know law and order and you know frankly where we live here in sharp right you know on in, in a, a relatively affluent area um, and you see those signs you see those protests and by the way they weren't just all on Fox News right um, you see those protests and you see that word you could get there and saying you know what is that what I want to see you know is that you say to
0: yourself you, you, you ask yourself are the walls big enough? right are the uh am i far enough away from the hot points yep um you start making those calculations mm-hmm. um so however how- you can you can uh hope to god that your small business like someone in our family yep. has yep. in those types of places but that doesn't change your vote and you know what even if that small business got burnt to the ground i don't even know if that would change somebody's vote like so, that's where you have uh, idealistic and moral boundaries that won't be broken by anecdotal evidence, even if it comes to you personally.
1: See, I, I think it, I think it does change a meaningful number of votes. Or let's put it this way: it gave them a good, re- it gave them enough of a reason not to not to flip to Biden. I I really really hope in my heart that there are not 71 million people in America that who love all that
0: shit. Correct.
1: And, and I it, god, good god, that wouldn't that be frightening? Yes. So, Ugh. how it on the democratic side, right? Uh, if you're a democrat,
0: you know, how yeah, but you've do you already to made, them? you've already made you've already prostituted yourself to your own people like in so many ways, right? We are the big tent party. We are the everybody has to get along and everybody's idea is welcome here. Now we have to make it even broader, you mm-hmm. know? Yep. Like, what do you do? Because that is what is so disheartening to me. Like, it took this Voltron of all these aspects of society to come together to beat this singular focus behemoth, and we were barely able to do so, and that is disgusting.
1: Yeah, so is that the reason? Um, or were there just is there just not a compelling enough reason to not
0: well vote? he was yes all right so Joe Biden was a shitty reason but I was saying that you could put a sock puppet up against Donald Trump and he would win just because there is enough anti-Trump sentiment in the country to make that happen correct apparently that was the case only by you know the slightest of margins yep um and so yes to your point that is correct however. I am also sitting here saying that, uh, to my mind, they didn't foster the right candidates in the intervening four years. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't bring anybody to the forefront and it was going to be these people who were going to be more of a mystery and a hope and a whim and a wish that you got to know really quickly like Kamala Harris for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas I think now you might have some people looking at legacy within the party, which is good. Like I love Mayor Pete, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really pragmatic dude who is also very progressive. so mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Um, I think I think it's it. I, I'm just like, it's not fair. Like How could could you possibly not have beaten Trump in a landslide? How can so many people still ascribe to what he's putting out there? Even if it is policy. Even if it is just policy, there can't be that many people. Because I would think that the policy people um, are smaller in number because there aren't that many people holding that amount of wealth. So in terms of policy that affects people who don't have monetary gain in it or, you know, things like that. Um, now you're just talking about an evangelical vote. Now you're just talking about uh, a uh, nationalist vote. Right. Uh, so these aren't things that I would consider to be compelling arguments and policy. That's not good when you want to talk about bringing more religion into the public sector, when you want to talk about um, bringing less opportunity to people. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, so... Mm-hmm like where where is the good in what he has to say in terms of policy it's very slim and you would you should be able to hold your hold your nose and vote for a democrat i don't know like um, w- well <laughs> what are your thoughts on the two party system yeah well you know what i and again back to
1: that 31 31 36 it's almost like we have a three party system but they only have we only have outlets for two i yeah you know i the more it, I uh, uh, prior to this year or prior to the last few years, right? As we've seen division, and probably exacerbated in the pandemic, because I haven't, I don't think any any part of the government has done uh, the government as a whole has not done well with COVID, right? There's been areas of goodness and there's been areas of badness, so that makes it all just okay, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or if not poor, um, but you know there is something to be said about the, you know, if you think about the British. System of government, right, with coalitions, and you think which, in reality, is kind of what we have. We it is.
0: It's always A plus B has to beat C. Exactly,
1: and it's the elements within the parties as compared to separate parties.
0: Yeah, so you end up building those coalitions every time it comes around to elections. Yep. But um, we don't separate ourselves out in the in the interim, which is what we probably should do a little more fervently just so people can understand um maybe what percentages of the overall democrat electorate are people of this walk
1: yeah and for, you know I keep I hate to keep going back to that 31 31 36 but that 36 is the group that's making the call you know the people that identify themselves as independents or not you know not having a
0: a democrat or republican
1: party have to be a main part of the swing vote here
0: well, they were talking about how swing voters are smaller than ever. So I would have to see where uh, swing voters actually stand vis-a-vis affiliation, right? And I'd like to see uh, the split ticket numbers. Maybe you know people are perpetually um, independent, but still vote the same way Correct. time over time over time. Yeah, no doubt they have
1: an inclination and they'd have to because that's their only choices, right?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And I am all, yes, I am all for bringing in a common sense party um, where they could land, would be right in the center, and they could take up so much space that you would actually have to make these other people on the fringes do work. Right. Um,
1: You you know, if you didn't put a figurehead. If you didn't put a a face right a trump or a biden or whoever you want a a clinton you know whatever if you didn't put a face on that and you you espouse the values and you said "What? i want to vote for the values i want to vote for this platform which people don't do because they don't take the time to understand it well most people right if i think you would find that there are probably half of the people that would be centrist sure moderate democrats moderate republicans if not more Right. And then they get just progressively it's the usual bell curve. Right. Then they just get pro- progressively more radical on the side. So I think there'd be a great opportunity for somebody. And, you know, it's its interesting because I hopefully will never have a non-politician take the office again. Right. But when you think about people that have values that you could say, you know, could align to it, it'd be it's ridiculous to think of it. But it'd be people like,
0: I don't know, uh, Dwayne Johnson. I You know, God forbid! I knew you were going to say that, (laughs) and uh, that's where I am just at wit's end because I already feel like this popularity contest has reached its its zenith, right? And it's uh, (laughs) a it's legitimate conclusion. We should only be there should be some sort of test for the presidency. I agree, and I don't think The Rock would pass it any better than Donald Trump would.
1: Yeah, no, but I'm using that as an example as from kind of deportment and certainly the public persona, you know, or you would have to go deep down into the parties, not deep down, right? But you'd have to go into the parties and you'd have to find somebody like, you know, on the Democratic side, it could be Klobuchar, right? Or it could be Buttigieg, you know, on the Republican Party. um,
0: You have to find the populist of all populists within each group. Right, and I don't know um, if you can find that without celebrity. So that's where you run into a lot of quandary in my book, because people usually aren't qualified if they have that level of celebrity. Yeah, they've already. If they do, they've wielded it in some other arena.
1: Correct, and they've they've sold their soul to for some reason, right? Because it's just not popular to be moderate.
0: Right, Uh, you know, I mean, what is Mark Zuckerberg?
1: Yeah, good good point. I don't know.
0: How about a Bill like, Gates? Does he run for? Yeah, well, Bill Gates is more polarizing because he's older,
1: and he's and he certainly made his opinions clear on what he believes. Zuckerberg Zuckerberg is just still he's amorphous, correct?
0: Yeah, he's just as doughy as his face is. Right. I mean, um, okay, so uh, a little we're gonna round we're gonna round the curve, sure. Uh, because we're heading towards home but I, my question to you is what happens with Trump does he go away completely does he a lot of people are saying that he could do his own digital streaming only channel because he doesn't want to spend the money on a real TV channel mm-hmm. uh, does he just because he's lost all faith in Fox News now that they've yeah. called it for uh, Biden so I mean, like, what does he do? What Does he run again in 2024? How much of a stranglehold does he have on the Republican Party? Um, And how important will it be? Because I, I'm going to be honest. Because of the silos of information, I see the possibility that he could hold this shadow government from Mar-a-Lago, literally, if he wanted to. And this is like leftist Alex Jones territory, but actually far more plausible than anything that he would ever espouse. I, I'll be honest, because this is, every time we say this is complete bullshit, it could never happen with Trump, it fucking does, it actually does. So this is not Sandy Hook was was a hoax. This is actually um, denying the results of a completely legitimate election. So this is him hold up and talking to and instructing because he has people who could primary the shit out of anybody that goes his against him who is still an elected official. Uh how much sway does he have? What goes on? What what happens? All
1: right, so I, I think there's a com- I think there's a couple of right now I do believe that he is in a not only from a denial standpoint, but he's trying to raise funds to pay off his campaign debt. Right. Yes. And create a war chest. Right. I think that's all part of it and um, you know, so be it, unfortunate, you know. Because they wanted
0: it. the money for that Wisconsin recount up front. Right. And he's not used to having to do that.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. So I, I think there's, that's a main element of the, and that along with the idea of not necessarily sure where he's going to go next, keeping keeping the party base somewhat energized. So to me... It's less about what he is going to be able to do as compared to what the incoming administration, the environment they're going to create that's either going to keep people polarized or – and again, there's going to be some small element of that group, right? The smaller we can make it, the better of the far right group that's just never going to see that he does anything wrong for whatever reason.
0: All right, but my question is the bully pulpit. He has utilized it to the nth degree for the last four and a half years. Biden probably isn't going to do that to the same, you know, effect, to the same degree. He's probably going to do a tenth of it. So you're not going to have the presidency drowning out all of daily life. But Donald Trump is still going to be tweeting from the abyss. So just the fact that, like, don't you think that a lot of Republicans aren't going to hear what ...Biden has to say and what the actual news of the day is and will be drowned out by what, you know, this guy has to say from the Black Lagoon. Define what you mean by a lot. I mean, like, there are sizable portions, like, if you want to look at what ends up getting disseminated into Republican news feeds throughout the course of a 24-hour news cycle, whether or not they get it directly or not, um, they're going to hear about it and it will become part of the doctrine... I mean, I, I just, I just see that perpetuating, and I see them turning a blind ear and eye to whatever's actually happening in government, and they're going to say that this guy over here is still our dude, and we're going to listen to him.
1: I, if you would say, if you would use the number of millions, I would say yes. I would say there will be millions of people that will go out on that side, and that they won't want to hear anything. But by the way, um, okay. I, I mean, we have millions of people that believe. All kinds of things that you know don't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but I think if the incoming administration truly lives up to what I believe they will, right? Which is okay, they're going to have their they have their Democrat platform. I believe that Biden is a moderate, and a centrist, and a coalition builder. Right? If he can execute upon that and not become a threat to core republican values and i you know if i if i said what those are those would be things like and i'm not talking about the evangelical side right the hardcore evangelical right but the
0: idea no, ideas soft are, soft yeah. conservatism
1: yeah let's not go crazy with bailing out governments that have had you know state governments that have had bad management whether they're whether they're republican or democrat doesn't matter we have bad government that's gone on out there right we, we need them some help but we don't need to bail them out right pension funds you don't necessarily need to bail those out that have made bad investment decisions, but you do need to understand the impacts of that to the people who are the pension recipients. Um, if we don't go to, you know, if we if we don't go down the path of some radical, progressive this is, ideas, yeah, but this
0: is this is so very old school. Most people are just going to toe the party line.
1: Um, I I think there's a large number of Republicans once they get through the idea of having this sore loser quit having his pulpit. And by the way, it's kind of like he isn't even there anymore anyway. Uh, You know, as far as the news coverage, things like that, he doesn't, he isn't getting that. It's really focused on the transition. I think there there are going to be a number of people that are going to begrudgingly accept the administration as it is in a wait and see environment. And as long as that wait and see environment is not too radical Right. It's going to be I'm going to gear it up for the 2022 midterms and the 2024. And we can't afford to have somebody as polarizing as Trump. And he will become more fringe, more fringe, more fringe until he starts looking like that. uh, You know, the TV evangelist who's asking for your five dollars every Sunday night at, you know, 1130 or one o'clock in the morning that. And that would be fine. Yeah. There's millions of people that follow them and send money in. But you never hear about them. I mean, they don't disrupt our life.
0: But what do you do when he is the favorite? As the Republican nominee, the moment he leaves office,
1: only because there hasn't been anybody that has stepped forward in, in four years is a long time.
0: But but nobody holds that type of fervor from the electorate, so nobody's going to be able to win over his supporters from him in a one to one battle. Well, you have to again if you say his. Who, supporters, who do you who who could you possibly see being that charismatic? Uh, like Tom Cotton is a wet blanket. Ted Cruz is hideous, and <laughs> I mean, like, like where, where would it even come from? Um, I
1: think you have some Republican governors that aren't too bad.
0: I guess so, but I'm just saying that's a lot of ground to make up in four short years, like I was talking about with the Democrats. You can maybe ride a wave at the last second, but you're dealing with something that's so entrenched right now, it is... I, you've you and I have never seen anything like this since World War II. Correct. Okay, so I would love to have you back on and just do a World War II episode. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? Yeah, but you, yeah. You got you got
1: it. You got to go back to though, and That's why I asked the question: How many of those seventy-two million people do you think voted for Trump because of who he is versus because they're a typical Republican versus? You know, they, they, they like the pro-life
0: stance. They, you know, they like less spending. I don't know. I believe the brand and I believe the team has become increasingly important. And uh, you've seen this mob and this herd mentality come forward um, and encompass a lot of people from all walks of life who you might have said just have been on it from a policy side. I don't know. I think social media and modern modern life in general has brought us into these encampments where people ha, are 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 going to take up arms for a side they don't fully understand.
1: And that's that's where I go back to the idea of what this administration, the Biden administration, and a split Congress that is not going to be as uh, bulldozed to the left, correct, or bulldozed to the right right if they can actually see this and a, a big piece of this to me is going to be creating an environment by it all comes back to a bit of the health crisis we're in right now if we can get to the other side of this with a new normal whatever that is a new normal there's a chance to reshape a lot of folks thinking just like you would have said and you you mentioned world war ii you know there were a lot of people who didn't agree with fdr's policies in the new deal but by the time we found a common enemy Right, a common enemy in in Germany and Japan and the and the Axis, and everybody pulled together, and it was unbelievable what they were able to do. And we came out with you know quote the greatest generation, who again started to head down that path, but you still had divisions. You still had you know Nixon versus Kennedy. You know those were two polar opposites in a very close race, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. But the country wasn't nearly as divided as all the things that are going on. So I think there's a I I do believe there is a, a moderation a moderating. Um, Series of events that can occur over the next year. And the sooner it occurs, the sooner we get this administration behind us and we start thinking about things going forward and what what is possible versus what was.
0: Well, I got to say that from somebody from your side of the fence, I think this is absolutely great thinking and I hope that this is actually what transpires. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Fingers crossed. All right. So let's wrap it up real quick with the master's. Um, You were able to watch that. What did you think about uh, the end result? I know that you had your uh, fellow demon deacon, Webb Simpson, as a favorite going into it, as well as, who did you say? Thomas. yep. Yeah, so you had Justin Thomas. So I got two top teners. You did fantastically. I looked at uh, day one, right after we got done talking, and you had two of the top five, I think, Mm -hmm. or something like that. I was like, damn, that was really well done. But um, it was a, a, a four rounds like any other, if right. I may borrow the phrase, because oh, yeah. that was a really weird thing to see. It um, was. It was. A, it was kind of sad and surreal it was. at the same yeah, time. it was brown and yep. orange and weird. Right. Was, and barren.
1: Yeah, it was cool to see the course. Without all the people around it, because you saw areas and they actually—it didn't have leaves and it didn't have people. Exactly, and no azaleas, and you know they had there were there were they played from parts of the course they never would have played before because they would hit they would hit fans with some of those shots.
0: And they talked about how you know what if I went over here and I missed, it was going to be trampled down in mud. Whereas now I've got virgin grass to deal with and I can make the approach. So. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm ready for I'm ready for April. I thought it was a I thought it was a surreal tournament. I thought and not to go back to where we were before. I thought DJ um, played a extremely mature um, combination of conservative versus aggressive when he could be, which is exactly the way I think this country needs to move forward. He and he ended up being a winner because of it, right? He didn't he he made mistakes, but he got himself out of them in most cases. Yeah. Uh,
0: he, he. I like the shots. tie-in, but you gotta you gotta admit that he was also riding a wave because he was playing very well. He was, and he was able to distance himself from the field like he has done quite a bit as of recent.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, his, his game when he gets that driver going with that small oh know, that, man that five to ten yard cut at three twenty, and he's hitting wedges all day. It's it's hard to stop him unless his putter just breaks down.
0: Very amazing. You know yeah, the one really powerful.
1: The fun, uh, the, the, the one fun incident I saw, well, there were two during the week that really will stick out with me besides DJ winning. One would be Bryce DeChambeau losing that ball on day one or day two. I can't remember which one it was. Losing the ball on the fairway, and he ended up taking that seven, and it literally found it. Um, I think he, he lost it on number three. They literally found it like 30 seconds after he, he left. For yeah.
0: Heartbreaker. And
1: the, and the other one was Tigers 10. Tigers 10. Followed by five birdies and six holes.
0: Oh, Ah, oh, yeah, my man. Yeah, I mean, I love seeing him out there, and that was a heartbreaker. That was a ten cup moment. I, I,
1: yeah, that was that was one where almost anybody who's listening to this and anybody who isn't could have would have could have done better than a ten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. I did rewatch uh, Sergio's.
1: Do you remember Sergio's? Uh, uh, what did he take a thirteen on fifteen in two thousand and eighteen? I believe. Did yeah. Get, yeah. Five balls in the water.
0: Oh god!
1: Yeah, but it is. Uh, it, it was. It, it was surreal. I didn't particularly care for it, but it, they got. They kind of got through it, and it just kind of whets your appetite for normalcy.
0: Totally. Totally. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on finally. I can't
1: wait to can't wait to hear how you edit this because of Link. <laughs>
0: no, listen, I'm telling you what, we're leaving most of it in. If it's not a double episode, then we're leaving it in for an extra long treat for everyone. I, I promise, because it is quality start to finish. All right. I
1: appreciate being on. Thanks
0: for the time. No problem. I'll talk to all you right. soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you guys very much for tuning in that was an awesome episode i was so glad i was able to bring it to you guys and so glad that we were able to have that fortunate outcome with this year's election i look forward to talking with you guys in the upcoming weeks about whatever might be coming down the pipe and hopefully it won't be that much politics